This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? All right, everybody. We are live, and we have got Miss Jennifer Clagis with us today. From my, It's my choice insurance, right? Yes, that is correct. My Choice Insurance Group, Chandler, Arizona. I have so many different agency names. I have to try and remember that I'm like, oh, crud. I just spaced for a second. I want to make sure I get it right. So I'm glad I did. Yeah, you got it. Nailed it. Awesome. So we, you know, I've gotten to know Jennifer well because she's kind of, you know, one of the guys (laughs) in our our little mastermind group. And I wanted to have her come on and talk a little bit because Jennifer opened her agency and went through something that a lot of agents go through in terms of getting appointments from carriers and getting carrier contracts. And I remember my first exposure to Jennifer was her presentation at Innovation 2019, where you dove deep into that in front of hundreds of people, which seemed to be an awesome time for you. (laughs) Yeah, that that was a challenge. That was the first time I had ever spoken in front of anyone, like in a room, in a group on a stage with 800 people. That was the first time wow. I ever talked in public. So go, I've, go big I've or go home. public speaking. Yeah. Go big or go home. That was uh that was certainly a way to indoctrinate yourself. Right. Yeah. I was fine until I got on stage and I got a little nervous. I, I won't lie. But <laughs> yeah. Was- I'm sure once you started talking, everything just kind of melted away though. That's usually how it goes for me. I lived, I knew I was going to live. So <laughs> that was the important thing. Everything else I could uh, acclimate to. So there you go. Yeah. So how did you get started in insurance? Give us the give us the uh, overview of where you came from and how you got here. So I've I've pretty much always been in some kind of sales capacity since I was a kid. I mean, I started uh you'll 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 think this is funny, David. I my my first foray into sales was uh eighth grade book report requirement for like the year. I did my I did my book report on how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> that nice. kind of thing in eighth grade. So that is an absolutely terrible book to have to read in eighth grade. Isn't that weird? I don't even know why I did that or who pushed me toward that. I can't recall that, but whoever it was, it really kind of set the the foundation for the you know my entire career. So I started with a job when I was fourteen year old, fourteen years old at a a car wash. 
and they gave me the job to take money. They said, here, stand here, take money, write people's tickets up. And if you can sell some stuff like some armor all or some wax or whatever, we'll pay you more money. <laughs> so I was like, yes, what? So within like two months, I was making more money than the managers there because I just sold everything to everyone. <laughs> Cars just driving out of there, slinging armor all off the tires it all over so the crazy. place. Pine tree air fresheners, all that. Yeah. So, you know, I had that kind of job all the way through high school. Um, going through high school, I did well. My dad lost his job um, my junior year of high school. So that kind of, um, he, and he, he worked for a very large aerospace company and we were very comfortable. Um, and then him losing that job kind of forced me to, to have to figure out my next steps on my own. So I started working for Allstate right out of high school. So I was 18 years old, got my license. Uh, again, they told me if you can sell insurance, we'll pay you more money than just sitting here and answering the phone. So I said, okay, cool. What does that mean? So I went and got my license and I was 18 years old sitting in, in kitchens, you know, at seven, eight o'clock at night selling people insurance. So that's how I got started. And I was with Allstate for a total of, of like 15 years. I did take a little bit of time off when my girls were really little. They're, they're 16 months apart, so they're really close in age. So I took a few years off um, when they were small, but then came back to insurance. I also I also had my real estate license and, and did some real estate during that time. But I was with Allstate my entire you know my entire insurance career before opening my independent agency. So how was the Allstate experience? I mean, you were there for 15 years, so it couldn't have been terrible, right? And it gave me a great foundation. I met some great people. Um, mostly agency owners. <laughs> and um, I learned how to do things right. I learned how to do things correct. I was, I've, you know, I was a student of my craft. I've, I've read a lot of policy jackets. <laughs> I'm interested in knowing the back end of what I'm selling. I feel like that makes you a better salesperson, like really being a master of your craft and, and knowing what you're doing. Um, so yeah, the, Allstate, you know, I, I met some great people. I also learned that, um, you know, having one company kind of in control of everything you, you do from an operational standpoint is very limiting. And so going independent, um, you know, I kind of looked back at the con the contracts when I was with Allstate, they changed three different times and, um, you know, always, for the betterment of the company, never to the betterment of the, the agent. You know, they were just putting more costs, more uh, limitations on, on their agencies. So when I left in 2012, I, I chose to go independent. And then that kind of circles back to, you know, getting my own contracts with, with carriers. I had no independent experience. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. There's so many different balls that you juggle when you're when you're independent versus having so much of that done for you as a captive agent. So I decided to get office space, create a logo, create a website. I got like three phone lines and five computers and I didn't have a single contract. <laughs> got my office all set up and I said, who wants to do business? I mean, a big part of that was developing a really solid business plan. It took about three months doing that and really researching my market, my competition, um, the economy of my area, you know, knowing 
who my target market would would be and and how I would write that most profitably. Efficiencies are really important to me. I spend a lot of time grinding on that. So yeah, I opened my agency without any appointments. Safeco gave me my first appointment. I presented them with you know a marketing piece on on how I was going to write business and how I was going to be a profitable partner for them. And uh, kind of went from there. And then after that, like every carrier I've ever approached has has said yes, and and it's it's been great. So well, podcast is over. We got the. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's funny because you know we just we just got our auto owners contract back in September. It took me two and a half years to get the auto owners contract. And I jumped through all the hoops. Like I did a business plan, even though I, I mean, I've always had one, but I did one specific to auto owners, how I was going to go do it. And I did it on video in addition to giving them the PowerPoint, because I wanted them to see some of the technology and stuff that we use. And I sent it over to my marketing rep and the dude comes back and he's like, Lansing's not going to be impressed by all this stuff. They probably won't even watch it. Just, you know, just fill out the application the way they have you do it and go on with it. And it, it blew my mind because I'm thinking, man, I'm going to bring the A game. I'm going, I'm just going 90 to nothing. I'm going to put together the best multimedia presentation they've ever had from somebody asking for an appointment. And guess what I found out? They don't care. Like it, it's a main street company and they don't care about that. They want to have a comfort level that, you're going to close business and you're going to close the right kind of business in a lot of it. Well, they have their process for a reason, right? And so they're going to make you go through their process to get their <laughs> So that's hard sometimes. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. Yeah, where, where, where were you when I needed you? Um, yeah. That would have been good advice before I did all that. You know, it's funny because I was joking with somebody yesterday when I talked to them on the phone that auto owners has actually – forced me to run my business differently and better because when they came in, they said, look, we want accounts that are 25 to $50,000 in premium. And that's not what we typically go after. But in order to get that contract, I agreed that we would give them their sweet spot. And then I would have some bigger stuff that I wanted them to jump on when it came around. But by having them in the ease of doing business with them, and the type of stuff that they write and how competitive they are, both on coverage and price, our policy count has actually gone up at a much higher rate. Even though the revenue is not as high, I'm more comfortable with the fact that I'm spreading that risk across more policies now than I was prior. Because when you write accounts that are 25 to 50 grand in commission, you lose one, it hurts. You know? Sure. Now we've put we've put enough of an aggregation with them that although the revenue numbers don't match up to the other stuff, I've probably got five times more policies with auto owners than any other carrier, and that helps me sleep at night. Right, absolutely. Yeah, they you know they know who they are, and they told you who they are, and you just needed to believe them. So yes, shame on me for thinking I was going to change auto owners, <laughs> you know, single handedly. Yeah. But it's, it's funny. It's an interesting process to go through, especially, I mean, I can't imagine going into opening an independent agency without having had a book of business with several of the carriers that I work with now. I mean, for me to get contracts wasn't horrible. Like it wasn't really difficult at all, honestly, because I had been in the independent channel as a producer and a partner in another firm. And as a result, I had those relationships. They knew I was going to close business. And so I could just walk in and say, hey, look, now the one that hurt me the most was Chubb. That's my favorite carrier of all time. And when I opened my agency was right around the time Chubb and Ace merged. Mm. 
And so I went, I went to my people at Chubb and said, I really need a contract. And they said, you really can't have one. And that's hmm. what are you talking about? They said, because when we merged with ACE, they are requiring us to have three years of financials and all of this due diligence for agencies. And while we know who you are and that you're capable of producing for us, and you've always produced for us, we can't run you through the process as a new agency. You're going to have to go cut your teeth. And so I'm just now at the point going on four years in where I'm back to the table to talk to them about working with them direct again. And I've written millions of dollars of premium with this carrier. So that was a huge win, you know, huge gut shot for me when I opened up because I was banking on being able to get that contract and writing the business they write because that's all I'd ever done. And that's how I ended up flipping into writing, leading with workers comp is because I didn't get my job appointment. I couldn't go after technology, life sciences, in Department of Defense contractors like I had in the past. I had to completely shift what I was doing and lead with comp. It, it's crazy, you know, some of the roadblocks and some of the hiccups that set your course, but it's actually made me better because I can still access them. I just have to go through a third party. And it's rounded my game out a lot more in terms of some of the stuff that I would go after because I wasn't nearly as diverse, you know, back in those days. Yeah, for me, if I want something and I get a no, it doesn't mean never. It just means no right now. So sometimes we have to pivot. We have to shore up, you know, on some other some other things. And, you know, th things happen when they're supposed to, I've, I've found, as long as you're pushing forward and doing things the right way. So I agree with that. What um, so we've had a few guests that have come on that have come from you know, all states or Geico state farms, like some of the, you know, mainstream insurance companies and, you know, went and opened up their own insurance agency. What would you say was like the tipping point for you or what helped you make that decision to do so? Oh, well, I was at a really rough time in my life personally. Um, in 2012, I was working with, uh, an agency owner, I didn't own the agency. I was going through a divorce and I had just moved back to Arizona from Oregon. Um, I've, I'm, I'm a native of the town that I'm in now. Um, and so is my dad. So I've been here a long time. Um, but for about four years, I lived on the Oregon coast from 2006 to about 2010. A little different climate than uh, Arizona. 180 degrees. <laughs> yes, totally different. It was beautiful. And I still have a lot of really great friends there. Um, I still have a lot of connections there and actually we're opening an office there right now in process since the end of last year. Things are a little weird right now with the COVID stuff going on. Um, and I've got a producer okay. up there working. So, so that's, that's good. Um, but coming, you know, I came back to Arizona my girls were little, they were eight and nine years old and I was going through a divorce and trying to figure all that out and buy a house for them and get settled. And so I was working with an all state agent that also owned a, a custom home building company and a real estate brokerage. And he didn't, he didn't know anything about insurance. He hired me to, to run the insurance side. Um, so I, I did that and we had an agreement um, where, you know, like two years in, I would either buy that from him or we would build a satellite office, which Allstate would all, you know, I had a lot of connections at Allstate. They were fine with us doing that. They would give me that agency. So that was the plan. And about 18 months into that, um, nothing to do with the insurance side, everything came crashing down on the custom home building side and the real estate side where um, there were there were a lot of legal issues um, that I'm actually not allowed to divulge. <laughs> and so that that whole thing created a massive pivot for me. So it was it was at the point where, OK, 
I know how to uh, I know how to do this, and and insurance is what I want to stay in. Um, it's stable. It gives me the stability I need for my kids. But um, do I continue with the Allstate thing? Do I continue pushing forward with Allstate? Open my own agency? What do I do here? So um, I talked to the first Allstate agent that I ever worked for, that I worked with for seven years. I, I called him and I said, "Here's what's going on. What do you think?" He said, "Go independent. Why would <laughs> why would you continue with these handcuffs? You know, you you have the ability and the skills to just hit it and just go independent. Get your own contracts. You know, we'll we'll all feed you basically." So that's that's how I um, decided to you know go ahead and push forward and, and do the business plan and see if it made sense and you know really put the the research into it and you know start building the foundation. So that took me a few months and then I you know found the space and got the contracts and just kind of hit it hard. But you know I had I had no clients. <laughs> I didn't buy a book. I started I started from ground zero. But I'm a I'm the person who wants to take the last shot, give it to me, I'll take it. You know, I, I have a lot of confidence in my ability to produce. I always have since I started when I was 14 years old selling armor all, you know, I've never failed at selling. I've always won every sales contest. I've always set every company record. I've always, you know, I'm insanely competitive with myself. So I had, uh, I had a lot of confidence. I wasn't going to fail. <laughs> so yeah. Nice. So you left Allstate, you went out, you started, you approached Safeco, you got your first contract with them. How many carriers do you have now that you work oh, with? Oh, about, I mean, I have direct con contracts with about 17 different carriers today. Um, we're, we're, we have really nice books with about seven of those I would consider real partners. The rest of it's peripheral, you know? Um, mm. I, I, perf I only added carriers as I kind of met contingency with my my first, I, I met contingency with my first three and then I added a fourth and then I added a fifth and a sixth. And then, you know, we kind of, kind of went that way. So slow and steady yeah, I'm very much, is, I'm very is the key, you know, slow and steady. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that a lot of agencies see carriers and they want to get a contract, want to get a contract. And that's what makes it difficult on the rest of us is because agencies go out and give lip service. Yeah. They don't end up producing. They don't hit their revenue number. And we're dead in the water because you're the next guy coming up or the next lady coming up asking for a contract. And it's like, yeah, the last three people I've appointed haven't worked out so well. I'm going to pull back a little bit and be a little bit more conservative. I'm 100% with you. This is actually the first year that we've gotten contingency just based on when I started, how I grew the agency. Because a lot of my business when I started out was monoline workers comp stuff and those carriers we didn't have contingency relationships with. So it, uh, it was kind of nice to actually see a check for contingency come in this year. And it was, believe it or not, it was from auto owners and we just got appointed with them That's last amazing. September. So I was, yeah, I'm still waiting to have guards step up to the plate. They're supposed to be hooking me up with a little something, something here. And, uh, we'll see what that looks like. But I think next year is going to really, really, really be a good year for us because we'll have critical mass with auto owners more so than we have now. We got a tiny little check from them. It was cool to say that we qualified for profit sharing, but you know, it's paid out off of earned premium. Well, we got appointed the second week of September. So how much premium really were we able to earn? You know, not much, but by the time the end of the year hit. So 
this next year should be this will be like i'll feel like a real agency owner at the end of this year like when i get my first real heavy profit sharing check which i'm optimistically counting right now before speak it ever it. hits speak it <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely. you know and i mean that's the thing but I think it's interesting, you know, that you say that you, you can't fail in sales and you haven't. I believe that wholeheartedly. I'm the exact same way. You know, when don't tell me what I can't do because I will not only do what you told me I was incapable of or what you told me didn't work. And I will multiply that 10x and cram it down your throat. Like that's just how I operate. I love people who challenge me and say, oh, no, you're not capable of doing that. You're not capable of hitting a million dollars in revenue. You're not capable of closing that account. You're not capable. I mean, just nonstop over and over and over again. And that's been my MO. I, I, I live with a chip on my shoulder all the time, all the time. So does Kyle. Kyle, you can't close that account. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, what what you said um, you know, earlier, uh, Jennifer reminded me a little bit of, of, you know, how I am competitive against myself, but also my wife's the same way. I mean, she's in sales. She, she wins every sales contest. It's super annoying. We used to work together and it was like, it, she would always figure out a way to, to make it happen. And you know, it was, uh, it, it was good for me as well. Cause she was part of my yeah, team, right? but, um, yeah, I, I, I totally relate to that. It also seems David that, uh, Ethan might have inherited that little trait from you. I saw your post earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah. Either that or I got it from him, man. He's a, he's an animal, dude. I mean, it's crazy. You know, most people most people don't know what it's like, right? So I don't really go around and that's the other thing too. When you have when you have a child who has challenges, you don't use that as an excuse that the last thing that I ever want my son to be is an excuse for why I wasn't able to get something done. I just work harder right. to get it done. That's it. And by extension, my kids see that and they learn, they learn from it and they understand it. You know, most people don't know that story. I mean, most people don't know that, you know, how that whole thing went down and, you know, with Ethan, he had a lot of gastro issues when he was a kid. I mean, when he was a baby, he couldn't keep food down. And we had all kinds of studies done. He had to be scoped. I mean, it was nonstop. Like he would eat and then just projectile vomit literally within minutes of finishing his bottle. And you never knew like where it was coming from, which direction. Like you had to be quick on your feet to dodge it because otherwise you were going to get slimed like Ghostbusters from your <laughs> from your kid in – you know, we went in and he had to go in to have an endoscopy um, when he was 18 months old. And I'll never forget this. Um, we, we went to the hospital. The doctor came out. They did the scope and they said, everything in the scope looks good. We can't find the problem. And all of the specialists are here right now. We'd like to go ahead and admit him and run him through all of the tests over the next day or two so that we can basically see what's wrong with him. So, you know, obviously as his parent, we're all for it, right? And we want to make sure that that we're doing everything we can for him to figure out what's going on. And I'll never forget leaving to come home and get myself a bag, an overnight bag, and get my wife an overnight bag, make arrangements for the other two boys because Caroline was not even a figment of my imagination at that point. And 
I, I came home and I drove back to the hospital. And, and when I was pulling back in, retracing my steps, I look up and I realize I'm pulling into the pediatric cancer unit. And I'm just like, hmm. you, got, you got to be kidding me. Like, I didn't realize that it was this serious. You know, I thought maybe he just was having a reaction or whatever else. And so when you see something like that, you real you think to yourself, oh, my God, does he have a brain tumor? What's causing this? Is he dizzy? That He's not even walking or anything. And it's weird because he was always really delayed um, in his development, right? So he didn't he didn't crawl on all fours like a normal kid would. He always crawled. He always did a soldier crawl, and he always left his one leg. His his right leg was leg was always dragging. And my wife works with special needs kids for a living. I mean, he could not have been born to a better mother from that standpoint. Like he was born to exactly the parents he needed to have. My older boys thought it was awesome because they would just go, you know, shoot YouTube videos and Ethan would always be the wounded soldier because he was dragging his leg behind him and they thought that was funny. Um, but Annie knew and she she knew and she she brought it up to the pediatrician and the pediatrician just sort of poo-pooed the idea and said, you know, I'm the doctor here, he'll grow out of it. It's it's just it's it's developmental delay and everything else and and she said it's not. I you know, and look, I get both sides of that because doctors um, are constantly competing with YouTube for the belief of their patients. It's, I mean, of Google for the belief of their patients at this point. The internet has probably made the medical profession very, very difficult. So we ended up taking him in and they they ran all the tests and everything. And what they found out was that he had cerebral palsy. He had um, an agenesis of the corpus callosum, which means the, the, the corpus callosum is the part of your brain that holds the two hemispheres together. So his is only about half developed and nothing will ever happen with that going forward. There's nothing you can do for it. And basically his right and left brain don't talk to each other. So he's very irrational sometimes, very quick tempered and all of that. And then he also has what's called paraventricular leukomalacia, which is a fancy way of saying low white brain matter. And the issue that you run into with that is that's only formed prenatally. So what happens with white, low white brain matter is it either stays where it is or it's progressive white brain disease and progressive white brain disease is 100% fatal. Hmm. So we had to get his MRI. So we got an MRI. And the only way that, by the way, the only way they can diagnose this is by taking an MRI and waiting 18 months and taking another MRI. So for 18 months, we lived every day not knowing if he would live to see wow. 10 years old or not. And I mean, that is a very humbling time in your life because as a parent, you want to be able to fix everything. You want to be able to control everything. Like if I could have taken his issues and made them mine, it wouldn't even be a second thought. And so to go through that, you know, really teaches you strength and to do that and juggle all of the stuff when you're you know, going through that, including your job and everything else is just a nightmare. And then to do it and not use it as an excuse, like I could easily said, listen, I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. You know, I don't even know if my kid's going to live till we're 10. So, you know, screw off, quit bothering me. You know, I, I could have done that, but I didn't. And neither did my wife in, you know, there were a lot of sleepless nights. We spent over a hundred thousand dollars out of our pocket, flying him back and forth to children's hospital of Philadelphia 
because it, we needed him to have a we needed the official diagnosis for him. He was not going to be able to get into public school and get the resources that he needed without that. And Children's Hospital Philadelphia has the number one pediatric neurology unit in the entire country. And so when we went from Tampa, where you're dealing with a pediatric neurologist, to you're dealing with 50 pediatric neurologists, and one of them's a specialist in exactly what's wrong with your kid, it's a whole different animal, right? So we finally got all of that done, got him diagnosed. He didn't, you know, they said that his white brain disease was not progressive, but, you know, this is just, that's just the beginning when you're going through something like that. It's been a battle every single year at school. I stood in front of the school board and ripped them to shreds over different things. I have to go and fight for him and advocate for every resource. And it's not just, it's not just me, it's my wife. I mean, it is a never ending thing. So you know, I, I say that and I share that story, definitely not the downer that we thought we were going to talk about. But when people listen to stuff like this, you never know who's going through something similar. You never know who's dealing with that. And, you know, then there's the whole other emotion of the fact, how did this happen? Where did it come from? And they basically traced it back to the fact that it came through, through my wife's umbilical cord because she had a virus. So then I have to deal with whether or not she's blaming herself for all of this happening. And it's just, hey, well, yeah. this freak show, you know what I mean? But all of that to say, yeah, I mean, Ethan has inherited some really competitive and really um, stubborn genes from both sides. <laughs> but that little that little fool has taught both of us more than we'll ever teach him. I mean, it's it's crazy. And so we, we were laughing last night because now he's into playing Fortnite, Fortnite online with all of his cousins. Right. So they all get in these party groups. And I, I told told Annie, I'm like, do you think he even knows what he's doing? Like, is he just running around like an idiot, just shooting stuff or whatever? And she's like, no, I talked to my sister and, you know, his his cousin said that he, he knows how to play and he's actually pretty good. It's good. He is like, so I'm sitting in my desk last night editing video at the house and I hear Ethan say, you guys stay here. I'm going solo. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? That's but awesome. he's, he's, he's crazy, man. You, you love him and hate him all at the same time. Cause when he loses it, he loses it. And it's really tough to deal with and more, more difficult to deal with is other people who don't realize, right? People are ignorant. People say stupid things and they, don't realize that my wife and I are both really quick on our feet and we tend to say things back. So, you know, I'll never forget one night we were in Carabas and he, he had a meltdown and I hadn't paid the bill yet. And Annie was so mad, like so embarrassed. And these ladies from this table, just, I, I'm just like, lady, turn around, mind your own business. This is not going to go well. My wife will probably punch you in the face. <laughs> you know, just stop looking, stop staring at my kid. We know he's making a scene. We're trying to get him out of here. And we get like halfway home and I realized she was in such a rush to get out of there. She left her purse. And I'm like, I'm not going back in there because she tore into this lady, like just went nuts. I'm like, I'm out. I'm not going back in to get your purse. So she, it was so bad. She called the people from curbside carry out to get her purse and bring it out for us. So she didn't have to go back in the restaurant and see him again. But you know, you never know what other people are dealing with, you know, no matter what it is. And I see it all the time with people who just, people automatically want to throw their two cents in. They always want to offer an opinion. And, you know, if I gave anybody in sales any kind of advice out of just that whole story, it's it's the point, part that you never know what other people have going on. You don't really know their problem. You know what they're willing to let you know at the surface or what you can try and figure out contextually. But take time to listen, right? 
take time to ask the questions and figure out how you can relate to that person on a personal level. And I joke all the time about the fact that I've lived all over the country. I mean, I've lived all over the Eastern half of the country, but it's also one of the reasons why it's so easy for me to adapt and find common ground with people within 30 seconds of starting a conversation. Right. And when you get the no or auto owners tells you no, if you're listening to what they tell you, it gives you the tools you need. It gives you the information you need to come back, make it happen when it's supposed to happen. So exactly. it's a huge, huge skill in sales. And, you know, it's like once we get to the point where I'm, I'm 46, I've been through a few things. Um, I'm intentional now about the things that I do. You know, I would imagine that going through that with your son and, and continuing to go through that because it's going to be something that you guys have to manage. Um, oh, he's a lifer. He's a lifer for sure. We know that. Like we joke about it at this point. I told you know, I've told Andrea before, I can't wait till we can go down with Ethan when he's over 21. We can go hit Key West, take him out to all of the places we like to listen to music. Like, he loves that stuff. We took him down to Key West a couple years ago over spring break, and he went into Wet Willies and got himself a non-alcoholic slushie. And he's, like, giving people high fives high fives going down Duval Street like he's the mayor. They all love him. And he, he like, he acted like, this is these are my people. This is where I belong. I'm going to grow into this at some point. Oh, you know? I I am seeing that kid as he's going to be your best salesperson one day. <laughs> he's going to be your best sales guy. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because he is part. So part of the issues with the neurology stuff is, you know, you, you just, you really can't pinpoint everything, but he, you know, I, I shouldn't laugh about this because it's serious, but it is somewhat humorous too. Has a bit of Tourette's and he doesn't mind flying off with the Tourette's. So like he'll have, he'll do a nervous tick or whatever, but you never know, like you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Like I wish I had like a little editor that I could just beep him out sometimes because he, he lets it fly. Kyle's heard him let it fly, you know? So, but he's really OCD too. And I don't mean that in like the trite way that people say it. He really like it, he comes to my office and I can tell you what his routine's going to be. And it's now, do you have Fabuloso here? How much <laughs> Fabuloso do you have at the office? I need to mop your floor. I want to mop your floor. Why Fabuloso though? He loves the way it smells, I guess. I don't know. That's what we have at the house. But I mean, like everybody would love to have this kid living with him because he will sweep it's and mop our floor. Yeah, sweep and mop the floor <laughs> like two or three times a day. And we just let him go. Run with it, bud. It's all yours. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So Jennifer, I mean, go ahead. No, you're up. Go ahead. Yeah, that's just just working with that. You know, it it uh, your, our resources are are finite. You know, there's only so much time, energy, money. So it needs to matter when we spend it. You know, it's currency, all of it. So the time and the energy. If you're gonna, you know, spend time away from your family, it needs to matter. That's why winning is important. I'm sorry, but winning, especially in sales. And when you're a small business owner, very important. Yeah, I, I agree. So like what what kind of systems do you use yourself right now in your agency to help you keep up with everything? Because yeah. I mean, I know you've got some volume and I mean, that's a lot to manage. I've never really asked you. I've heard you talk about it briefly, but I mean, well, I manage a lot of things like in a very old school way of, of being kind of very intentional and efficient at doing things. 
Um, I don't have a lot of mess in my agency. So I write business from day one with that intentionality so that there's not a lot of backend work um, or confusion. You know, we don't have a lot of billing issues because of the way that we write things. We don't touch things more than once a year because of the way we write things. Um, but as far as the technology stack, I am weak. That is one thing that I need to 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 be able to push to the next level and then continue to scale. I need to get that dialed in. That's been um, it's it's been a real challenge because I don't find um, there aren't a lot of perfect systems out there today <laughs> that don't require the marrying. And I, I would say that is one of the biggest challenges of being an independent broker. You have so many different systems that you're working in from the carrier side. And then to try to then integrate three, four, seven systems and then have your team adapt to all of those things. Um, I find a lot of that really disruptive, which is the opposite of effectiveness. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, when I'm considering a solution, I'm always kind of looking at the back end, like, how is this, how is this going to be, uh, how is this going to disrupt our goal, you know, and is it really going to get us there? And I think that we're, I think the industry is so weak in that. It's very frustrating. I know that, um, I know that the folks over at Be Atomic and Neon are, are trying to create something that works right now. Um, I hope, I hope that that does. I think that they're doing it right by getting uh, agencies to participate in the creation, because if you just have a team of developers creating something that they think works, but have no, you know, real application uh, to it or, uh, you know, application feedback from from real end users, that's where you have so much disconnect. So, I mean, that's a challenge for us right now. So. Other than a basic management system and, and you know, we've kind of used some carrier stuff. We don't really we don't really use a lot of that. A lot of my clients are a lot like me. They don't want to be peppered with a bunch of junk all the time. So, um, you know, a lot of us are kind of, uh, I don't know, information overload is a real thing. You know, just getting constantly, you know, bombarded with communications that, don't really affect your life or aren't valuable. It's just, it's noise. So we don't, we don't do a lot of that right now. What are you guys doing right now? I mean, obviously it's not a normal situation, um, you know, and it's tough to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like old school in the sense that I like to be in front of people. I like to go and talk to them in person. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a, um, I guess typical person my age where I'm one to, text everybody and email and do everything virtually. I, I like to, you know, go and shake your hand and sit and, and talk with you. Cause that's just, that's just how I roll. Um, obviously that's not really something that's, that, that's happening right now. So what have you guys been able to do to, you know, kind of, um, funnel business in, in a different, in a different way? Yeah, that is really interesting. And that is unique, um, for your age. <laughs> so uh, Kyle's average client is 84 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. You he know, eats bowls of stupid. Yeah, he eats yeah. bowls of stupid four o'clock in the afternoon. I just go and play bridge with him, and you know. <laughs> yeah, um, we actually most of my clients are uh, mass affluent to affluent, and so most of our communications are done via email, 
And uh, a lot of those people don't want to be on the phone and they don't have time to be face to face. They have families. Um, life is busy now. Life is busy and time is so valuable. So we really try to communicate via email. So what I'm hearing you say is that COVID hasn't really impacted how you do business. No, not at all. Um, I've had not, not how we direct uh, what we do. I have had, because we are mostly personal lines, I've had more inqu inquiry into like cost saving <laughs> solutions, which is interesting sure. because uh, like I said, most of our clients are, are either mass affluent or affluent. Um, we're in an area where we have a large Intel plant. So we have a lot of well-educated clients, um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. There are a lot of unknowns right now. And I don't think for the most part, people are panicking, at least in my community, my clients. Um, but I think they're, I think they're paying attention where, you know, maybe three, four months ago, none of us were really paying attention to how much we were paying for our car insurance. Um, now people are starting to pay attention. You know, they've got the time to sit down and go over their budget and, you know, sit there with their spouse and say, okay, here's what we're spending. Here's how much we spent at Costco last week. Are you guys spending a lot of money on food right now? What is up? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. We're getting, <laughs> so, we're, so, my, my wife is, um, is pregnant due June 1st. So we're, you know, closing in on, thanks. Yeah. We're, you know, closing in here. And, um, so we've been with all this COVID stuff we've been doing shipped, like with, you know, uh, it's a service to deliver the groceries. Yeah. For anyone who is not familiar, but um, I swear, like we're sitting there. I think David was on the phone with me one time when we were having this conversation. But I was like, "How the hell is our bill three hundred and fifty dollars? Like between the two of us, like what did we buy? And we just like ordered groceries the week before." I'm like, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is like you know sheer boredom of we're just at home. So she's baking all these things, and and you know I'm making different, you know cuts of meat and it's like before we know it it's like you know again a 350 dollars tab at Publix. i know <laughs> for no reason so you know for that reason i think people are people are paying attention which is why right. you know if you have if you have clients with good credit that are prudent stewards of their money they're you know they're going to be paying attention to things so we're getting some of that so that i mean that is different and we're being uh i don't know just trying to be calm <laughs> and right. really calm more so than usual i would say we haven't really slowed down from new business yeah. i mean that's been what's been crazy and the fact that we do have the technology for video quotes and you know video conferencing and all of the stuff that we normally use anyhow yeah has been crazy you know i mean i i was telling some i think i was telling kyle I sat down and looked at the end of the week last week. And I, I mean, I felt like I had been busy all week and I'm always busy. Like I'm going a million different things. I just, you know, just had the book come out. I'm dealing with killing commercial. I'm dealing with the agency. I'm dealing with four kids and all of the other, you know, we just lost the dog. So my life is constantly in mass chaos. And so when I say that I feel busy, I really feel busy, you, are you know, busy. and that's one of the things. And, and I look back and, yeah. and we have, we had written like 250,000. I had written like $250,000 worth of premium and never left my desk. Right. And that's just so, that's so bizarre. And so not what we normally do. 
it's crazy. Well, every challenge creates opportunities, right? If you're paying attention, again, pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my whole th- that's the one thing that I'm medicated for is paying attention. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that I've, I've said this before. I think that natural selection is at its finest right now. Yeah. I think you're going to see the people that understand that they have to adapt and pivot. I mean, you've said pivot no less than 10 times on this. Have I? Oh boy. On this call because, but it, but it's, it's true, right? Like you have to constantly do that. That's a testament to why you've been successful is you recognize that you're not afraid to do it and you're not worried that you're going to fail at all. No. And I think when you, I think when you don't have a fear of failure, Pivoting is not an issue. You just do it. I believe in favor a lot. I don't know what you think about that word, but I I, I believe that preparedness uh, is really important. I'm never late for a meeting, ever. I prepare the night before for everything. Um, I prepare on Sunday for my week. I try to teach that to my kids right now because they're both in college or getting ready. To, my youngest is getting ready to go off to college. For every opportunity. Her daughter, her daughter's coming down here to UCF. Yeah, I'm sending. Oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What's that? I'm sending her to you. Yeah. So, I saw. I saw that you were a Sun Devil. Is uh, is Arizona State as big a party school as they say? You know, it's funny. Her choices were ASU or UCF, and they are basically the same school. Like one and two on the list. Maybe maybe West Virginia's in there too, but uh, West Virginia has been retired from consideration. Actually, oh really? Oh, it was okay. rated number. It was rated number one party school by Playboy so many years that they said they're removing they're it just... from consideration. <laughs> Coincidentally, awesome. right around the time I was in my prime in that particular city. Okay, timing. <laughs> timing is everything, right? I was I was prepared, Jennifer. I bet you were. Uh... Bet you no doubt. But anyhow, so your daughter, you you were talking about trying to teach your daughters, then we were we interrupted you. Yeah, sorry. Oh no, just you know, trying to teach them about uh, you know, your six your success is a reflection of how prepared you are. Um, you know, and and willing to put in in the work to be prepared. So I think that's that's hugely important. I'm with you. I get a ton of anxiety if I'm not prepared for something. Yeah, like yeah. if I haven't gone over it and, and like being late drives me nuts too. I mean, it's, it's like same, same thing. So a lot, a lot of similarities there for me. So I, I think yeah, I'm that, not, yeah, yeah, Dave. Yeah. You're always on time. I think in that I'm not, we're controlling what we can control, you know? Well, exactly. Yeah. So. Cause there's so much that you can't, it's like, I need to have some control over something. Yeah. And I'm fine uh, when things don't work and it's something that was beyond my control, you know? Right. Um, because I, I can let go of that really easily. And I think that's one thing I've kind of developed, you know, just through getting a little older and going through some things. Um, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. But if I failed because I didn't prepare or if I failed because, you know, I wasn't on my game, then it's not okay. I'm not, I'm not okay with that. So I do better the next agree so here's the million dollar question this is what everybody's been waiting to hear Mm -hmm. what the what the heck are you building in your garage oh so this is the third project uh that we've worked on with uh like a trailer like we did a vintage trailer remodel last um before that it was a larger larger trailer 
But right now, and, and what's funny is that this is the first project that I, I literally said, no, I am not interested in doing this or having this in my garage. And he said, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> so we have a, a teardrop trailer, which is like an uh, overlander trailer, off-road trailer that we're uh, building right now and just built it from the frame up. So yeah, that's what's going on in my garage right now. So we're almost done. So we've got. I thought it was a, I thought it was a flight simulator. It looks just like a flight simulator. Yeah. Could, From the pictures that I saw, anyhow. It's um, it's super cool. It's it's all duded up. It's got all the fancy stuffs. So, yeah, to finish. Where does one acquire the skill set? Where does one acquire the skill set to build a trailer from the ground up? Oh, well, my guy can build like a house from the ground up. So that's, well, there yeah. you go. He's, well, there's that, but I mean. He's a carpenter framer by trade. And then he works for a custom home building company. He's a project manager for a custom home building company. And he knows electrical plumbing. He knows, you know, mechanicals. Probably build like a Ford engine for you, given the right parts. Drives me nuts. I was I was putting together this the, the the crib in the nursery the other day, and like the it was it was just a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. I had zero interest in doing that. And you were right. using you were using the Allen wrench that came in the box with the kit, right, dude? And everything is like stripped because this is like it, it. So it was uh, <laughs> my my wife's younger cousins, like it was their baby furniture, or whatever. So we went, I went to her aunt and uncle's house, picked it up, brought it back. So, you know, it's obviously it's like 20 years old, maybe more, whatever. And so like, I, I have to <laughs> I'm putting this, taking it apart and putting it all back together. And all the, all the bolts are stripped. The Allen wrench is like all worn. I'm like, I have Allen wrenches of my own, but the, the stuff that was stripped, like there was no way, there's no way to get it, get anything on it to, it, it was just like, that kind of stuff makes me want to blow my brains out. I just can't handle it. Yeah. So kudos to those people right? who can, I yeah. guess. I am absolutely shocked that your wife didn't want to like go get the Mac Daddy baby furniture from wherever. Like, Dude, free free is good, man. Free is good, especially. Look, you don't have to tell me. I'm all over. If it's free, it's for me. If it's, and it's true, nice I'll stuff take, too. I'll take it's, two. It's yeah. It no, it, it's in good shape. It's 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 nice furniture. Um, so that was awesome that we didn't have to go out and buy that. But just the frustrations of. Like little thing, like like a simple task like that. I'm I'm like the least handy person in the world. So, anyways, I'll fight you for that title. <laughs> Although you, I can, you, me, and the big cat. My mom has yeah. zero zero faith in him <laughs> putting well, together anything. It's awesome. No, my my problem is it's not necessarily that I'm not skilled. It, I mean, it is, but I I don't fear that fact. So I'll still try it. I'll try it, but I get pissed after like 30 seconds and I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. You should, you should, you should hang out with Ethan then. Yeah. What cracks me up out of all my kids, the ones that the one that's the most, um, mechanically inclined is Caroline for crying out loud. Like <laughs> she builds everybody Figures. else's happy meal toys. Like some of these happy meal toys. What, what happened with that whole thing? Don't know. Like you don't know yet, but you will like some of these happy meal toys are like, reverse jenga to build them and put them together rush happy meals yeah it's it's nuts man i don't know but she she was the other day she like pulls this thing out and everybody else was struggling to build it and it was like completely done 
and she took Landon's and Landon's 13. She took Landon's and, and built his for him <laughs> like in 20 seconds. I was just absolutely blown That's away. Awesome. It's so funny. Well, Jennifer, what would be the advice you would give? You've given a lot of advice, actually, and a lot of it I feel like was somewhat directed toward me, whether that was intentional or not, <laughs> uh, in terms of listening to auto owners and inferring what I should be doing. And listen, I'm I'm not going to lie. There may have been one or two times when I approached carriers for contracts and they said no, that I allegedly wrote them an email telling them I was going to do everything I could to put them out of business by taking business from them. I mean, that, that may or may not have happened, but um, what would be the advice you would give? So you were with Allstate for 15 years. You just said, I'm not afraid of failing. What would be the number one or number one or two things you would tell anybody that's looking to move in that direction? To start it on their own or to go from like captive to independent? You mean just kind of like pushing to Both. pushing to a next level, like, pushing through. Yeah, both of them. Uh, preparedness is so important. Um, being resilient is really important. That's what your Ethan is. You know, he's out there on his bike. He's just going to keep going until he figures it out. Failure is not an option unless it is. And then you're not a winner. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if you're, um, if you're, if you're gonna do it, like just do it, make it happen. There's so much in your I said earlier, like, I, I really believe that that we kind of direct our um, our favor. We direct um, our own success. So, you know, even if you make a misstep, just pivot and, and go a different direction. But if you have your, your eye on an end goal and keep moving forward toward that, and you're well-researched and you know that that's a good goal, I'm not talking about just, like, throwing things out there haphazardly and just, you know, being a mess about things. Um, but just continue to push forward, be resilient, be tough. Yeah. What's on tap for this week or this weekend? You know, you get all of these IPAs and you rub them in everybody's face that we don't have the ability to get them. What, uh, what's on tap? You don't have IPA in Florida. What? We, we, we do tons of IPAs in Florida. Yes, but not the specific ones that she's showing. Right. I try to buy local Jeez. stuff. I think it's really interesting. I mean, Arizona, we have uh, we have a lot of really great breweries here. I would say on the West Coast, San Diego is probably my favorite spot. Colorado's there too, and Portland. Um, but here in here in the Phoenix metro area, we have a lot of really great breweries. So there's a lot to choose from. So yeah, I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm cooking yet. I haven't quite figured that out. I start thinking about that on like Wednesday or Thursday. So I'm not sure what the menu looks like for the weekend yet, but there will definitely be some some local IPAs in the, in the garage fridge. True story. True story. I got a text from my oldest son that said, is it regular Taco Tuesday or are we really going to blow it out because it's Cinco de Mayo? Like, is that a question? <laughs> that's what he wanted to know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's crazy. Like we are so predictable. It is Taco Tuesday. It's tacos every single Tuesday at our house, beyond a shadow of a doubt, because kids will eat them. So, but and he, tacos he, are one of the best foods ever. So <laughs> they are. That well, and you've and you've got good Mexican food out where you're at too, right? We do. We have great Mexican food here, even though Nick Ayers does not approve, but. Nick Ayers coaxed Nick Ayers coaxed me into watching his Facebook live where he was advocating for a wet burrito from someplace 
over the weekend, and I kept waiting and waiting. I told I'm him, like, a what? A wet a, burrito? Uh, yeah, please don't. What the don't hell shoot. is a, what the yeah, hell is a wet burrito? burrito? Please don't shoot. Uh, so you eat it with a fork. It's the burrito that's wrapped and has the sauce on the outside that makes it wet. Sounds like an enchilada. No. Uh, it would be, but enchiladas are made with corn tortillas. See, you know, you should probably just not even talk about Mexican food <laughs> right now because you'd be better served. I'll, stick, going to, to I'll put, stick to tacos. Yeah, please go put together some baby furniture with an Allen wrench. I think <laughs> you have a better chance of succeeding. <laughs> Good grief. All right, cool deal. Well, listen, we've been going about an hour. Jennifer, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for your um, lessons on patience and preparedness. I feel like that when I title this, it's going to have to use alliteration and it will have a lot of the letter P in it. Um, I don't know. I'm going to lost. I got to think about it. What, what's, what, what's your number one? What's your favorite interest when you're not in insurance? What is it? What's your passion? Oh, right now it's my kids. They're so fun. I, every, you know, every stage, um, whether they were little babies or, you know, terrible twos, that's not terrible. That's fun. That's hilarious. When your kid is like throwing, losing it. <laughs> You know, from their teen, you know, their early teenage years to now when they're getting ready to to launch. That's that's pretty much my focus outside of uh, outside of my choice insurance today. But I'm I'm really um, optimistic about the next phase of my life. Like I said, I'm in my mid forties. I I have another twenty years to push hard, which is which is pretty exciting. So I'm I'm pretty pumped for that. Um, I get the youngest one off to to Florida this year and then and then who who knows yeah it's, it's an exciting talk. you're gonna have one in you have one in florida and one that's gonna be in new york yeah right? my older daughter's in new york she goes to college at rpi at rensselaer polytechnic she's up there uh she's doing great up there she plays tennis for them and and she she loves it so yeah they're they're both at home right now that's that's been weird you know having them having them both like around all the time and nothing to do and just kind of hanging out. So, um, but yeah, she wants to get back to you to New York quickly. I'm, I'm proud that I have daughters that were, that are capable of, and were so prepared and confident enough to go that far away from home. So I'm in Arizona. I'll have one in New York and one in Florida and, uh, we'll, we'll be putting a lot of airline miles on the, on the card this year. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, I have to tell you, there's no doubt in my mind where they got that wow. from. So the fact that they're confident and prepared and all of that, you know, we know where they found uh, found that stuff. So it's it's been uh, it's been cool chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking yep. time out of your Thanks, day. Guys. I'm gonna go and um, spend the next thirty minutes preparing for my next <laughs> podcast recording <laughs> and making sure that I'm on time. All right, so, you do that. All right, we'll talk soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.